Hello and welcome to the Everyday Problems podcast, a podcast about the problems we face each day as we go about our busy lives. I'm Tom Corneal and my co-host Liam Tarvit and I have had many dealings with depression and anxiety and other related issues and wanted to provide a safe space where we can normalise the conversation around mental health and its impact on everything from the workplace to grief to just getting through the day. I should point out that we're not medical professionals and we don't profess to have all the answers. But we are veterans of the embattled mind and we hope that by sharing our war stories we might shed some light on solutions that could be useful to you or people that you know. This episode is all about motivation. Is it real? Do we need it? What takes it away from us and how can we get it back? Before we begin today I just want to say thank you to our Patreon community who help us keep the lights on here at Everyday Problems HQ. We need all the help we can get to bring you great content, so please, if you're not supporting us already, consider helping us out for less than the price of a coffee per month via patreon.com. The link to more info is in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. It's always so much easier, I find, going through the, the grind, the tougher stuff, when you've got something to look forward to. And in fact... The reverse of that, I think, is also true, that you enjoy the the good times more if you've, almost if you put yourself through a bit of punishment, like if you've had to work hard for it. I was having yeah. a chat with someone um, on on uh, through Instagram yesterday who uh, responded to a little video I put up about choosing your mindset and... Um, just reminding people that some of your mood is your choice and you know don't allow yourself to think that you can't get out of it if you're feeling low and uh, we got onto the topic of the bit after motivation so after you've done things and that and he sort of pointed out quite rightly that actually the lows are are what make the highs high Mm. and that actually you know maybe a, a tough working week is one of the things that contributes to you enjoying the weekend so much yeah. So it's all it's all part of life's rich tapestry, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Do you know it's uh, there's a really good quote. I'm going to have to do some googling. I watched the classic movie Dodgeball the other day. Yeah. And there's a great quote in that film that effectively sums up what you've just said. When they win the final game, and he's bet the prize money already on them winning. Dodgeball, of course, being what, what all modern philosophy should be. <laughs> my opinion (laughs) uh it's also true that money won is a lot sweeter than money earned well there you go then it's the complete opposite of that what we're trying to say (laughs) (laughs) so you you were right tom no philosophy should be based on dodgeball whatsoever (laughs) no i wasn't being sarcastic i was dead serious (laughs) you've ruined that for me now (laughs) right okay wow on that note, then, shall we? Uh, shall we talk a little bit about what what the topic is for today? Yes, I have been suffering a lack of motivation recently, and not not on all days. And I've I've been working quite hard on writing a book and some other projects. Um, my world became a little bit strange. If anyone hasn't um, heard previous episodes and, and wasn't aware, I was made redundant at the start of the year. And in, in case anyone had missed it, there, there has been a global pandemic, which at the time of recording, we are still in. It is currently uh, August and we've been in it for, I don't even know anymore, 
six months, something. And it's become quite strange for me not having this. I've really enjoyed not being under the cosh of my old employer. However, that routine and having having the, the same thing to wake up to, knowing what your goals are each day and, and things, having to come up with your own ones is both tremendously satisfying, but also a little bit weird. And if you're having a day when you're just feeling a bit tired or dazed or just not into it or something, it can be really difficult to find the motivation to pull yourself into getting on with life. Mm. And, um, and then it got me thinking about, well, hang on a minute, stop thinking about yourself. How is this affecting other people? And I sort of thought, well, actually, you know, amid, amid this pandemic, even those who are carrying on as normal as possible, who are still gainfully employed and, and doing the, the regular jobs they were doing beforehand, everyone, I think, is suffering a change in motivation. And I know that it's really difficult for a lot of people to get up in the morning and carry on as normal. And it just got me to thinking about the question of whether motivation is a real thing, or whether it needs to be treated as a real thing, or whether we just need to get on with it. That was kind of my the question to myself and something that I thought was worth exploring. And perhaps we'll, we'll circle back around to that question um, towards the end. But it, it led me certainly down lots of very interesting paths and into research that I've completely forgotten about from my college days as a not so brilliant psychology student. Liam, when I mentioned it to you, what did, did it conjure up any particular thoughts or assumptions or, or things that you wanted to jump into? Um, well, I think, I think like, like you, Tom, I, the first thing that I thought about doing really was the, the kind of research for the, the broader picture of motivation and uh and then to start to think about it more specifically to me but one of the things that i found um in doing that is that very very quickly procrastination took over and i think they almost you almost can't have one without the other um and when we we when we first talked about this this theme a couple of weeks ago at the point of of trying to start to do things i called you i had some like kind of life admin bits that i needed to do so then i then i started doing that so i guess in a way at least it then motivated me to do something else yeah then i sat in the in the garden and i had a beer in the garden and i thought oh well maybe i can just map out where i want to start which then led me to doing something else so i think um that that then felt being quite conscious of of doing something being motivated to do something about motivation hmm. really then made me think about how much time i spend probably delaying a task yeah despite knowing that it's something that i need to do and that I'll, ultimately i guess i'll be worse off as a consequence for it yeah that's i think that that's a big part of it do, do you ever find that do you think that no, knowing that there will be a consequence to not doing something does that always galvanize you into feeling motivated or do you ever reach a point where that that in itself becomes uh kind of stifling and brings up a bit of inertia yeah i definitely relate to the latter i'm i perform better if i'm kind of prepared and can plan ahead than leaving everything to the last minute but i know yeah. that's you know probably 
a kind of common, I guess, a common th theme or a, or a common point of understanding that for a lot of people is when they're when if they're studying, and mm. you'll get a you'll get a good proportion of people that will want to be done well ahead of a of a deadline. Yeah, and you'll have another probably similarly sized proportion of people that will need that deadline to be the driver for them to do things that sort of impending deadline will be the thing that gets them beyond the procrastination yeah sure so i tend to do i tend to procrastinate as long as possible even knowing that actually it doesn't really do me any good from a um from a kind of a stress level i suppose that i will be much i'll perform in a much better way if i if I can prepare and start early and do it without that external pressure. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally get that. And I think for, for me, some of the bits you mentioned there, I can really identify with it as well in terms of um, what I see as displacement activity. So when you, you sort of said you, you, you know, you need to be getting on with something, it doesn't necessarily make you jump into doing that thing, but it, it might make you get up and do something towards getting ready to do that thing. I, I know yeah. for me, a, a big um, a, a habit of mine, which sometimes I just allow it to be honest, but other times it, it can be fatal to getting the thing that I need to do done. Um, displacement activities such as, well, frankly, anything that needs doing that isn't that thing. So, for example, if I know that I've got to do some writing, so get get some work done on my book, once I'm into the flow with writing, I'm absolutely fine. But the act of having to sit down and put things to one side and get my brain into gear and delve into my past to write a particular book that I'm working on things at the moment, all of that stuff actually takes a, a bit of effort, takes a bit of a... a change of mindset and so I find that before I'm able to do that I will remember that actually I do want a cup of coffee and <laughs> if I'm going in the kitchen there is a bunch of washing up that needs doing and um, obviously getting the washing up done can only be a good thing because we all like to be clean and I'll get brownie points for doing it and oh yeah, before I before I clean the uh, the stuff in the kitchen, there's some things that need bringing in from outside that I left there yesterday, or you know all of these silly little things that will flood my head, and it, it can be hours before I get around to doing the thing that I'm supposed to do. Mm. And I guess that is by definition that's a lack of motivation for the thing that I need to do. I, I actually looked up you you may have come across this as well, but I've I've put into Google motivation meaning i think I, I typed in and the definition that it gave to me was more interesting than i expected so it said motivation is the existence of desire or aversion i.e you want something or want to avoid or escape something as such motivation has both an objective aspect that being a goal or a thing that you aspire to and an internal or subjective aspect, i.e. it is you that wants the thing or wants it to go away. So there's a lot more sides to motivation than I was considering. The first thing here is that you can be, that, that motivation, I think generally when we talk about it in everyday language, we're usually talking about this kind of innate drive to 
do stuff to to get up and to activate yourself in in whatever it, mm. it may be but motivation as a in terms of what actually happens in your brain is whatever you are trying to work towards or work away from so actually this displacement activity that you and I are pretty good at in itself is a motivation so I, I guess we can kind of tick a box on on that front the other the other side of it that I thought was um, interesting I hadn't really considered before but it, it kind of feeds into the other things that you and I talk about on the podcast quite often that being our brains and our our moods and our mindsets but the idea that it's an objective aspect mixed with a subjective aspect so it takes um, in order to be motivated it takes both the thing that you aspire to that the thing that you want or the thing you want to get away from but also it takes you it takes your mood and your where you're coming from you can't have one without the other so the two things really it's motivation is a sum of several parts and maybe Mm. that's why it's quite complicated it's interesting you say about kind of linking it to some of the other kind of problems that we've talked about on the on the podcast so when i was doing a little bit of research i found uh some reference to to the health effects that are linked particularly with procrastination so there's increased stress in in putting things off so it's always at the back of your mind immediately that you said that i thought of the infamous bill that needs paying or bank statement that needs looking at the thing that you know it's there and you know that you should be dealing with it but you just can't bring yourself to do it and the longer you leave it i used to be really bad for this thankfully some time ago the longer you leave it the worse it gets the more it plays on your mind and that i think that that's that is so true and I, i can remember in my younger less responsible days making myself quite ill through putting things off and that could be anything from preparing for an exam to getting a bill paid or or getting some work done on the car that I was leaving a bit long and and was it when was it going to conk out or something like that and yeah that that avoidance um ignoring the the motivation to do it would eventually lead to real negative things yeah so research shows that those that are more prone to negative moods for example worry anxiety fearfulness are more likely to procrastinate and scientific research shows that there are links with those that struggle with motivation and those that have deficits in the part of the brain that deals with emotion Hmm. my original feeling would have been that that lack of motivation was a sort of symptom of some of the mental health things that we've talked about before particularly depression yeah yeah but actually there's kind of scientific research that suggests that there are physiological link between those two things that i don't think that's entirely surprising for me Mm. if i think about the the people i know who suffer regularly with particularly depression our favorite topic on this show i think it would be fair to say that one one common thing that most of us share is that it can be very difficult to get motivated and that's something that i see less in people who don't appear to be suffering depression or other low mood 
mm. uh, condition. So I think that's definitely true. The, um, I, I, one of the things I found really interesting with that, and it's something that I want to do a little bit more digging about to, to kind of understand a bit better is linking to our previous episode in that the book that we were talking about had a very strong weight in against against how pharmaceuticals have been used to fix a, a kind of so-called broken part of the brain. Yes. Yeah. But actually the, you know, this research is, it does almost seem in opposition to that, that if there are physical, physical traits in there, rather than being something that's not right in your life. Yeah. That, that there's then again, a, a kind of a nod the other way or a hint the other yeah. way that there's more physiologically than there is, or as as much physiologically as there is psychologically, which I think it just shows how complicated this can be. Absolutely. The more I delve into the the brain and all the things that it does, uh, or the mind really, I should say, is because it's more complicated than just thinking about it as a biological thing. You know, all the mm. things that affect you, your emotions, etc. I know they all come from the brain, but I'm trying to look at it more more philosophically. It's just absolutely fascinating. It just makes me want to dig deeper. When I was looking into motivation theories and uh, experiments is the time in which a lot of those studies were conducted and I'm wondering whether the results would be any different if those experiments were done today. So when mm. I typed into Google motivation theories, I was presented with a number of different things. Now, we don't profess to be scientists or experts uh, on this show, um, but I will put the show in the show notes um, so links to some of the things that I'm about to talk about. So I'm not a, about to educate you on things that I'm, I'm barely scratching the surface on myself, but there's a couple of things. So one of the names that came up very quickly that I remembered from my old study days was Maslow. And uh, Maslow had this thing called the hierarchy of needs. And it basically broke motivation down into five different components you've got kind of the bedrock, the, the biggest, the broadest, most important thing upon which everything else is founded, which he referred to as psychological needs. And that is food, water, warmth, rest, and anything like that. So it's basically the stuff that keeps you alive and keeps you sane. Um, so that was his, his big one. Marginally less important than that, so downgraded very slightly, but still somewhere near the most important, um, near near the bedrock, safety needs, so security, essentially. Just up from that, your belongingness and love needs. So this is where we move on from your kind of your security, the things that nourish you physically, to things that nourish you emotionally. So that's friends and intimate relationships. I guess your family would probably be somewhere around that point there. Then the, the next one, number four, slightly diminished again. You can get diagrams of this on, online. It's easy to see. Um, esteem needs. So that is accomplishment. So feeling like you are ticking boxes, getting things done, meeting the, the, the targets that you've set for yourself. And then right at the top of that, the smallest um, is the icing on the cake, I guess, is achieving one's potential. So it's basically taking all of that and not just ticking some of the boxes, but actually 
you know, getting closer and closer to total self fulfillment, to, to doing everything that you are capable of. And that was Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's, I can see lots of truths in it. That was done in 1943. Mm. In the early 50s, Hertzberg came along um, with, and he broke it down and made it a little bit more um, simple. And this started to resonate with me a little bit more. He had the two-factor theory in which he kind of saw um, motivation as a, as a straight line going along your graph. And everything above that straight line is your motivating factors, which is things like recognition, recognition, reward, satisfaction. So these are all the pats on the back, the well done, the money, the promotions, um, free stuff. This is all the, the kind of nice glitzy stuff. Mm. And all of those things, um, when presented to the subject, are things that would make you lift up from that middle line. So motivation as a straight line, you're, you're going over and above if you're receiving these things. But below the line, he said you have hygiene factors. Hygiene factors are the things which won't motivate you as such, but if you don't have them, they will become a demotivator. So they will make you drop below the level of motivation. So those are things like your basic salary, your food, your comfort, your warmth, your rest. So it's kind of the bedrock stuff. So he's basically taken Maslow's hierarchy of needs and he's made it more simple. And this resonated a little bit more with me. So basically, if you think about an average day is going along the middle of the line, you've got just enough of the stuff that you need and maybe you're getting a little bit of reward. But the more you're rewarded, the more motivated you feel and the less nourished and protected and fed you feel, the more you're going to drop into demotivation. And that was in the early 1950s. But what I thought was really interesting was in the 1950s we didn't have as widely spread or widely accessible media across the world reporting on what other people are up to and we certainly didn't have social media in which people can post your motivational pictures do you want to make 10 grand in two minutes hmm here and you know all things like that you know I, i'm a self-made millionaire i spent a month uh i don't know what whatever they did and, and sold a bunch of stuff you could be like me we didn't have any of that kind of pressure and I, i'm curious to know it brought up the theory we, we kind of touched on this before of the knowledge economy that we live in now in which it's not enough to just look at the things that are in your life, but you're constantly bombarded by the things that everyone else is doing, which provides additional pressure and, and makes you wonder, not just about the fulfillment of your own job, but how does the fulfillment of your own job or your own life match up to other versions of, of that? So is the person sitting next to you, are they having a better time than you are? So motivation then becomes not just about what's going on right in front of you, but constant mm. comparison to other people. And I think that, interestingly, the, um, the idea of accomplishment and achieving one's potential being kind of seen as icing on the cake back in the 40s and 50s, mm. these days, I think there's a hell of a lot more pressure on those things being made more important. It's not enough to just be fed 
and secure you also have to be seen to be achieving things you have to be winning yeah it's not it's not reaching your potential it's meeting other people's expectations or trying to exceed what other people's potential is yeah um yeah it's quite a scary concept even looking at in just in comparison of what expectations would have been on people from a motivational point of view not that long ago definitely definitely I was talking to my life coach um, a couple of weeks ago and we were discussing how I have a bit of a fixation on on motivation and on doing so this is this is a thing a, a thing for me that comes up quite a lot I have a real paranoia about doing or being seen to be doing enough um, and feeling like I've achieved enough in a day for example and she'd asked me, why do you keep coming back to that? Why do you feel you must be doing in order to feel happy? And I realised that I'm very much the, the product of, as quite a sensitive person, I see what others around me do and I can't help but compare myself. I'm also listening to uh, the audiobook of The Highly Sensitive Person at the moment by Elaine Aaron which is really, really good. And it explains that particularly sensitive people are more prone to feelings of um, comparison and to compare, well, yeah, to, to comparison and competition and feeling that they must match up to other people's expectations. And I suspect a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably quite sensitive people. And that's what drew them here so I'm I'm probably addressing a lot of you directly um, but we are quite prone to comparison and that can sometimes be a motivator because if it's taken healthily it'll make you want to you know get out of your seat and and work towards something but I know sometimes it can scare you into not doing anything at all I've definitely experienced that's what we talked at the top of the show really about so it's I mean motivation is fantastically complex um Mm. it's very very interesting and it's certainly something that affects it it, i think more people at the moment are questioning motivation and what their motivation is and is it enough to keep them going do you think tom that that example that that you've just kind of given about your own motivation and about how much you you sort of perceive you you ought to be doing is that something that is is quite unique do you think to your current situation or is that something that's always been with you you know kind of within your within your professional life I guess when you were you know when you were were working full-time that's a really good question I think that it's probably always been a part of my life but it's come and gone a little bit so I know that the, the environment that I grew up in my my mum and dad worked exceptionally hard to raise their children they started off with essentially nothing and grafted and grafted and grafted to they they really wanted to give their they had lots of love in in their families but didn't have a lot of money and wanted to be able to give their children um, of which there ended up being four so quite a lot of us and they wanted to give them a better start than what they had and so 
it, it's a funny paradox and so my mum and dad have always been very much of the belief that they wanted their children to be able to do whatever they wanted so that you don't have to follow in my footsteps I'm trying to give you a life in which you can do whatever you you wish to do whatever your heart desires which is a lovely thing but in working themselves to the bone to to put together this incredibly secure uh, nourishing environment for all of us what it also did was show us that a good way to behave and a, and, and a responsible way to provide for your family is to work 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 <laughs> you yes know, yeah do all of this and actually it, it's it's um it's absolutely nobody's fault this is um crikey I'm, I'm not a parent and i wouldn't want the the task of having to to figure out you know where, where the balance lies but observing other people working exceptionally hard particularly when you're young definitely i think sets a mindset in you of what is perceived as right versus what is wrong wrong being being i guess being a lazy person being someone who who doesn't work particularly hard and in terms of i i think what that's left me with it is as i've grown up i have gone through long periods where i'm just unable to relax so if i sit down in the evening for a start car and i tend to work on whatever we're working on until quite late but then even when we sit down in front of the tv we're still doing something my my hands are still i still feel the need to be busy even if it's doing something that i consider to be a hobby so i i mess around with watches i, I build watches and, and things um but i'm always doing it towards a goal i feel like i can't just sit and and relax i don't i've forgotten how to do that and that was the case certainly when i was working as well but it, the funny thing is i think during my working day when i was employed um and i was at the same place for just over 10 years during the working day i didn't have to worry about motivation because you just always knew what the next thing was you had to do you know you had a bunch of things you had to get through usually more than you could do realistically and so you just finish one thing and you move on to the next thing and motivation was never a question it was never something that i had to worry about because you just knew you had to do that in order to continue working you know be invited back the next day and get paid at the end of the month mm. So I think it's something, I think it's a really good question, Liam. I think definitely. There's a clear reward with that, isn't there? The, you know, and, and actually the motivation, the motivation when you're going to work is that you ultimately you, you're going to work to get paid. Yeah, it, definitely. For the majority of us, even if that's, you know, even if that's not the sole reason that you go to work and, and hopefully for the majority of people it isn't. Um, but that is, yeah. that's a massive motivating factor that, where work work in the paid sense and the being employed sense is very very different to work or tasks or um projects that you do outside of outside of that employer employee relationship absolutely and and then i suppose it brings into question um in terms of motive if we i think we we here are kind of talking about motivation as a drive towards being productive in some fashion but interestingly, it ties back in with when we had the, we did the the show on Johan Harry's lost connections, and there was a statistic he gave in that book. I'm, I think I've got this right. It was 87% of people felt unfulfilled 
or unmotivated in the job that they were doing. Mm. And it's interesting that you can, you have that motivation, which is, I will turn up and I will do stuff because that's the behavior that gets me paid at the end of the month. But there's also possibly a disconnect between whether that is true motivation in terms of making you want to do those things because you may not be, you know, you're getting the financial reward at the end of it, but you're not necessarily getting the emotional, uh, the mental rewards that you would like to get out of your job. Mm. And so I suppose, you know, that, that again is where motivation is, is quite complex yeah. and, um, and has a lot of different outcomes. That's got a name, the expectancy theory that people will act up if they believe that there is a reward. The carrot and the uh, stick as we mainly know it, I guess. The carrot and the stick. Absolutely. And it, there's, um, there was another study that came up when I was doing a bit of research here by uh, Henry Landsberger, and I didn't write down when the study was done, actually. But he had this thing called the Hawthorne effect, and I forget why it's Hawthorne. But what they did was they took a group of people and they studied their productivity in a workplace and over a number of weeks made slight changes to the environment in which the people were living so they would um, improve the conditions basically in, in which these people were working in and I think from memory I didn't write all of this down I think from memory it was things like they improved the lighting and uh, and things like that so it was the, the the literal environment in which these people were working they made incremental changes to over a number of weeks and found that the productivity went up but when they went back and looked at the results afterwards one of the theories was that people weren't getting motivated because their workplace was getting more fun they were becoming more motivated because it felt like their employers cared about them it was because the, these little changes showed that they were being shown some attention so it didn't actually matter that the lighting became better or that the air conditioning was fixed or whatever it may be the point was each of those little changes showed that their employer actually cared about them and were noticing them and were grateful for what they were doing and were keen to look after them and that was actually the motivating factor mm. so that was kind of a fascinating study as well yeah yeah because that's a big part of it being valued and recognized isn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and the the last thing that i've brought in terms of um in terms of studies bernard wiener he had this thing called the three-dimensional theory of attribution and basically that was less about being motivated or not motivated but more what characteristics does your motivation take on and he looked at how observing other people's behavior and the rewards that they get and observing your own past behavior and the rewards that you got for it, how that shapes the way that you behave going forward. So he basically looked at motivation as a moving thing. It's not as simple as an on off switch. It is something that actually requires you to uh, have noticed what happened the last time you did this thing. And that is what drives you to do more or less of that behavior. Or if you see that someone else is continually doing a, a certain mm. behavior and continually getting a certain reward for it, that that will drive your likelihood of doing that particular thing or not doing that particular thing. So that was kind of interesting because it looked at it from a more third person side. And, and instead of 
a lot of what we talk about is very internal focused looking within yourself and you know thinking about your own moods and things like that and i guess this one is more of a subconscious thing if you notice that jack's always getting paid a bigger bonus well what's he what does he do that gets him yeah. that bonus every time and maybe i'll do more of what jack's doing that's that again is in isolation looking at it in terms of like a, a you know a work scenario and a pay as reward scenario then it is quite clear cut i think but if you look at that in terms of some of the things that you're talking about earlier with social media and the kind of digital versions of ourselves that we now or that lots of people now have that can become quite a complicated thing quite quickly if you think of how people are learning to see where other people have success on yeah. on something like social media and success isn't necessarily going to be linked as a good thing but it might be about the amount of retweets someone gets or the amount of comments that somebody gets to a post that actually yeah. then by saying something that's quite um by saying something that's quite challenging or you know making really kind of explicit and you know ultimately out of order statements about a whole range of of the other things that we've got going on at the moment so with you know things like gender and sexuality equality and, and black lives matter and lots of the other things that have sort of themed this year so far it, yeah it does it does make me wonder like how that how motivation fits in with that there was recently a premier league footballer from crystal palace who was racially abused on social media and the person that was effectively behind it was was someone who I'd probably, you know, deem a child, I think was about 12 or something like that. But you, you then wonder like, is their behavior being motivated by the fact that they want to get a high impact tweet available or, yeah. or, or visible yeah. and seen? Is that what's motivating them? And, and then despite the fact they know that their behavior is something that is unacceptable, completely unacceptable, they're looking around them and seeing that the people that are getting success are the people that are making outrageous claims yes, rather than people that are doing things in terms of how they actually feel. Wow. That, I mean, that's, that's so, that's very topical, isn't it? And I think you're absolutely right because each retweet or like or extra follower is a tiny little reward for us isn't it and it's true to say that each of these things because it is a reward every time we we get an extra follower or retweet or something like that we receive a dopamine hit yeah and it then becomes addictive frankly and i know to to look at the to, to look at the reverse of that um i know that i when i instagram is my um my social media poison of choice and um and i actually use it i, I love going on there because it, it's pictures mixed with with words um saying that out loud makes me feel like a bit of an infant but that that's you know we, we've all got something some social media that we generally use maybe not everyone who's listening to this but most people will, will spend some time on facebook or twitter or instagram or something like that and i know when i first came onto it i was just joining in, sharing a lot of things that I saw. Some of it was quite vacuous, but, but seemed stylish or cool or something. Mm. And it was a few years ago when there was still quite a big influx of people, still a lot of people not yet on there. And so with the mass movement of people onto that platform, it was much easier to get lots of 
likes and extra followers and things like that. And it was really addictive. And I found that two things over time, as more of the population are just on there now, so there are, there are fewer new um, people. And also, as I realized that actually, do you know what, this, this tool should be a force for good. I'd, I'd rather cut out some of that more vacuous stuff and, and start to talk about things that mean a, a little bit more to me. While those things are very important to a, a, an arguably niche set of people, maybe they're not as trendy as some of the some of the other stuff that gets posted and so those new likes and follows and and things started to drop off and that really affected me and mm. and still still I, I have to remind myself now that we, and it's, again this sounds crazy to say but I'm, I'm being open and honest but that when you say something and it doesn't result in more people following you that doesn't mean you're any less of a person it doesn't mean you're unsuccessful there are much much more important things in life but it's very easy to tie your reward system to social media now because we live so much of our lives on there and i can well believe that that kid um that, that there is a motivation there that might be a bit of sensationalism it, it kind of chimes true as well with when george floyd was was murdered a few months ago and lots of what we might call right-minded people by that i mean people with good intentions i don't mean right wing <laughs> people with good intentions kind of wanted to join in the debate the fight the raising awareness of which immediately was seen as a really good thing great you know people of all colors are getting involved in in this thing but then quite quickly became the question of how many how many of those people are posting black lives matter based material in a performative way that being they're doing it purely to get more recognition and retweets and things like that and then the kind of backlash from that has been um, a, a lot of white people have immediately reduced the amount of content relating to black black lives matter stuff for fear of being seen as wanting to to just get attention for it while some people continue to do it with good intention and some people continue to do it because it might get them a, a few more likes or retweets or something mm. like that so again it what motivates you the to, motivating to factors are so so mixed aren't they and they're so unique to probably each person individually absolutely absolutely and it's often not as simple as right or wrong and it, th there is so much context behind what any single person posts and there may be people who have solely pure good intentions and, and uh, in, in what they post and there may be people who are completely devoid of all of that and just want the attention. I suspect most people are somewhere in between. They're somewhere on that scale from, from one end to the other. Mm. It's very, very, very complex. Sometimes it really makes you think about, you know, I just, I should leave all that behind and, and get back to um, actual human contact and, and leave social media because it, it can be quite a worrying place. But that is the world that we live in now, that social media is a big part of our everyday. Mm. Have you seen the Adam Curtis film, Hypernormalization? No, hypernormalization. Yeah. Writing it down. yeah, so I'll, um, the Adam Curtis documentary, Hypernormalization, is a, effectively about how, how the internet was, well, partly about how the internet was created and why the internet was created, in that it was created to be 
this sort of utopia for people to go and be able to express themselves. And it was created by these sort of IT guys that had had some psychedelic experiences through acid and things like that in the in the seventies, and this was the sort of vision that they came out with from their from their garages, but it's now been taken over to to the point that it's a dark place because it's a reflection of the world that we live in. Wow! Uh, and where things like Twitter was originally seen as a you know a place for like-minded people to go and and share their views and and sort of find this online community of of liberal thinking people. It became quite. It's become quite quickly a um, a bit of a witch hunt. Yeah. Platform. Yeah. Have you? There's a really great book as well by John Ronson. Oh yeah. Who yeah, did the psychopath one. test? Have you? Uh, uh, so you've been publicly shamed. The book is, and there's a podcast as well, podcast version of it um, that came out about a year ago, which right. is a, again about how Twitter's kind of transformed from this nice happy place about where it was all about learning to people where then I guess partly because of what we were talking about, people saw it as an opportunity to grow their, their own brand and, yeah. and maybe have made some sort of outlandish statements on there that there's now very, very public shaming that happens on there and people are sort of sent to this virtual immediate trial. And, yeah. and then I guess that kind of fits in more where we are now with council culture and yeah, lots of conversations going about going on at the moment about how how good that is as a as a, a kind of way of stopping that self serving motivation. That really comes on to something else that I was going to mention that I don't want to be an advocate for people using social media more or necessarily encourage people to come off it you, you, you know people must make their own decisions I, I know a few people I've, I've got a handful of friends who are just not on social media at all and if I need to get hold of them I have to send them a text or pick up the phone you know and they are living perfectly happy lives but in terms of I was doing this book proposal course recently I'm um, getting ready to, to try and get someone to actually buy this book that I haven't yet finished and one of the things that, that came up on there repeatedly, as well as there's lots of hints and tips on how to structure the proposal that you're sending off to publishers and what language, what kind of language you should use in, in the proposal and the sort of comparisons you should make to other books. So all this strategic stuff, which is super, super, super clever. But this one thing that kept coming up, which has nothing to do with books at all is your social media present mm. and it is undeniable and it is just accepted now and i'm not just in trying to get a book published but in virtually anything that you do that if you want to if you want to grow your business or grow your audience base that you have to make yourself seen on social media mm. and for example this podcast i will be telling people about via social media of one type or another um i know it gets it gets mentioned on linkedin and um instagram twitter facebook and it's how we draw people to the to the podcast and i would love frankly to not have to feel this obligation to live via social media but at the moment, I don't see a way out of it if you want to expand the thing that you're doing. And so if you're, if you're, I guess, if your existence and your business, et cetera, exist on 
a fairly small economy and in a fairly small environment so it's a locality based thing Mm. where you can reach people without having to promote on social media then great good for you you've you kind of cracked it but it's very very difficult to be in that environment i think most of us you know to gain attention and to be to be known as reputable and worth investing time or money in yeah you need to show this following and that that's um that then drives your motivation to 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 do these to do these things that Um, is um also really then difficult as well isn't it with the as you're saying about people that want to to kind of remain you know relatively small and local businesses that actually the current pandemic that we're living through has made that really really challenging for those businesses that have have got a that have got that locality by having a physical presence that actually they they will then have to engage with things like social media to push themselves out and try and get their voice heard yeah. amongst the all of the the kind of massive companies that are that operate um you know nationally or globally yeah absolutely well if you look at you know all the restaurants and things that for a time couldn't allow people in and switched instead to doing takeaway meals and things like that. The only way that they could tell people that they were doing that was by putting it on social media because people weren't going yeah. into town to see the signs or anything like that. So yeah, a- a- absolutely. And it will be interesting to see where that leads us as a society. It's so it's so ingrained in everything that we do now. I, I can't see it suddenly not being there anymore but it Mm. will be interesting to see the way that it goes forward and i guess on on that note i know we always like to try to bring things back around to uh helpful methods of of dealing with these everyday problems And, and for me the original question that I was asking myself, what led to all of this research was whether motivation is a real thing. So the first thing I wrote down is, is motivation real? I think we've answered quite um, fairly unequivocally that motivation is a real thing. But the sub question to that is, do we need to treat it as a real thing? And this comes back to a conversation I was actually having with a therapist uh, about a year ago in which, um, she was talking about how I was, I was experiencing uh, quite severe depression at the time. It was making it very difficult for me to want to get out of bed in the morning. And if I got as far as doing that, then to, to begin working or doing things that needed doing in the house or anything like that. And I would later go on to discover that actually uh, and become happy with the fact that you don't have to feel super motivated all the time productivity doesn't have to be the thing on which you measure yourself it's okay to watch netflix and not also be creating something at the same time it's okay to sit and read a book or have an afternoon nap all of these things and big big message to anyone who's who's listening out there actually this is a this should be an important message within this Um, podcast we're talking all about motivation one of the key messages is you don't have to feel motivated it's okay to relax to rest to recover all of those things are so important Um, don't ever forget that because I think that even the fact that 
we're having a conversation about motivation may put out the idea that people uh, should be looking for motivation. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Mm. Rest and recovering things are really important. But the other thing that I was discussing or that I wasn't discussing, my therapist was, was talking to me about was that motivation can be a distraction from living your life. And the way that she put it was that motivation is kind of a gap fill between something needs doing and you doing that thing. So let's go back to an analogy that we've used for other topics in the, in the past before your alarm going off in the morning. I've had certainly had periods where the alarm goes off and that alarm I've used as a trigger for me to start asking myself, okay, do I want to get up yet? How do I feel? Do I need some more sleep? What's my day going to look like? Is it even worth getting out of bed today? I'm just going to hit the snooze button while I have a think about it. And then you go back to sleep. And before you know it, you've hit the snooze button three, four, five times I've done in the past. And maybe that was fine. But a lot of the time for me, it wasn't. I was questioning my motivations and that stopped me from actually doing anything. And what the this therapist said to me was if you actually remove motivation from or, or the thought of motivation from that equation when the alarm goes off that's not your signal to start contemplating anything when the alarm goes off it's your signal to get swing your legs out of the bed get out of the bed go and brush your teeth have a shower make your breakfast whatever your your first thing is do some exercise meditate whatever your thing is mm. if motivation is something you're worried about and again just to be absolutely clear we're not saying actually that anyone needs to feel particularly motivated um, or that they should do but if motivation is a problem for you something that i've been practicing lately and i haven't perfected it yet and i'm sure i never will but is the art of from the moment my, my brain tells me that a signal that something needs to be done instead of then opening up a dialogue with myself about, okay, so should I do that now? Or is there something else that I should do? Or am I in the mood for it or whatever? If I know that that thing does need doing, then I should hear the signal and do the thing and cut out the middleman, cut out the, the conversation, don't hit the snooze button, hear that alarm going off and swing my metaphorical legs out of the metaphorical bed and get on with my day. And that is something that I've been trying to get better at, just doing the thing that needs doing. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, definitely. That, that, was, that kind of personal motivation was something that I, I'd been thinking about a little bit in terms of my own experiences and my own motivation and I think I can probably offer a good example as to where that personal motivation is I guess quite good examples of of what the personal motivation is behind getting things done so I think if you've got things that are that you're that are fun or the things that you enjoy that you're much that that motivation is then much easier to find so I was thinking about it in terms of being in a band and I know that's obviously something that um that you spent a good amount of time doing as well Tom yeah so I think for me like the the personal motivations are 
our, the chance to, to do something creative and getting a sense of achievement from it, but also being a part of something. So, you know, a team and a, and a community and having that collective achievement yeah, uh, are all things that, that work really, really well for me. And, and I think that collective, um, that collective motivation is a, is a big thing for me to get things done. If I'm doing things on my own, I find it much easier to put it off because I don't feel like I'm ultimately letting someone down. Whereas I'm much less likely if, if I've agreed something with someone or it's something that I'm working on as a collective or a group. So this podcast, as an example, I find yeah. it much more difficult to say, Oh, I'm not going to do it because, mm-hmm. um, because you've, you've then got somebody else there who keeps you going. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of attached a tiny bit of responsibility to and, and commitment to, to being there for someone else, I, I guess. And it, it, do you know what this It's really funny. We, we should share this Liam, but w- we have nearly recorded this episode. How many times now? Over uh, the last I, th- few weeks? I think it's, it's probably the most contact we've had with one another yeah. in a, in a two week window in yeah. the, you know, year or, 18 months that we've known each other i wouldn't not quite a daily basis but we've yeah probably in the 10 days since we originally said that we were going to record it it's been put on and put off at least half a dozen times absolutely and i wonder (laughs) i wonder how much of that is um when and i know like you've been super super busy particularly at the moment i know your your job is crazy busy at the moment but i'm just putting out there how much of us not getting this done has actually been because if one of us is super keen and totally has the time and is feeling motivated and wants to do it, it's much harder for the other to back out of it. And we, it never comes to like ultimatum time or anything like that. But I think you just mm. get from, from social cues back and forth that, okay, Liam's really into this. We, we need to get this done. And, and most of the time, I think we both just feel really up for doing it. But mm. I do wonder on those times where it slips a little bit, how much of it is down to absolutely concrete, definite, being too busy to do it. And how mm. much of it is a little bit that if I sense that you're not entirely motivated to do this today, and you sense that I'm not entirely motivated to do it today that responsibility is diminished somewhat and the result is that we allow it to slide a little bit more mm, yeah i think well yeah there's uh, there's definitely that side of it i also think from my own from my own personal point of view and i and i and i know this is definitely true of, of things that i do on my own that i would get i'd get to a point like this where it i'd never pick it back up again Right. So I'm I'm always really uh, I'm always really keen to start new things and to try new things, but my interest is wanes quite quickly. Right. So having having that other person to keep me engaged to get me over those hurdles of I need to do a little bit of work and I need to make a bit of time for this. If that was on me on my own, I would I'd just sack it off and I'd just say, ah, no, I've decided not to do it. But actually having somebody else there, even if it, even if we, we have to have this sort of like we've had the last couple of weeks, the kind of elongated period to work out when we can actually, actually get something done, that yeah. still keeps my motivation going. And that still keeps me in the, once you get past that hurdle, it, you'll be able to, to push on from there. That's brilliant. And, and maybe that's um, a good note to end on is to suggest to listeners that, 
if you are thinking about other people and you're considering the, the concept of motivation and, and how you can be helpful obviously if you're looking after yourself then remember that you don't have to feel motivated if you think that you are going through a period where you do need to be motivated then don't worry about motivation but hear that feel that signal go and swing the legs out of bed and, and just start doing the thing you'll find you get into it much quicker if you're not worrying about it but also you could help other people perhaps by not leaving them alone too long but by um, just reminding them that you're there that you're excited about life that you are looking forward to your next interaction and whatever that thing is that you're working on or that you you do together maybe showing them your enthusiasm might help them along as well is that fair to say liam yeah definitely there was a, just just a uh, a video that i found online that we we'll, that we can put in the in the links from dr ian taylor at loughborough university who've got some tips for um for remaining motivated so we'll, we'll share the video there are only a couple of bullet points so the first being don't rely on willpower so oh. reducing or removing temptation is a really good way to keep yourself motivated rather than just relying right. on willpower um, sure. the example that it gives is is having cake in the fridge if you're if you're determined to not eat cake then don't have any in your house rather than having it in the fridge and it constantly tempting you and tempting your willpower yeah okay that's really um, good immediately go and eat all the cake in the fridge and therefore it won't be anymore exactly yeah so there's no problem <laughs> then <laughs> uh the other one is is when you are in a motivated mood and this is different definitely something that i think i need to make better use of when you are in a motivated mood is make it easier for yourself when you're not so again uh, a really clear example of that is having a sport having your sports kit ready to go when you when you yeah. do want to go when you're planning to go out running if you then yeah. get to that time when you're when you're when you're going to go for a run and you've got to find your trainers and your shorts and everything else yeah if you're not in the mood that gives you a reason not to do it but actually if if in the moment of being motivated you prepare for when you're yeah. not it will really help um find, finding immediate benefits in things as well so time that you uh, or something about the activity that you really enjoy will help you with the longer term so not just thinking about about the point that you always want to get to but just something immediate in that in that task or activity and it might even be that that's the that's the opportunity to just escape from something else so you might not feel right. you might not feel like you want to go out for a run but actually the benefit is that if it takes your mind off work uh, or all of the other things that you need to do then it at least gives you some respite and then it's got an immediate benefit and then finally something that tom you you've talked about a bit already is is forgiving yourself so not ruminating on feelings of guilt and and understanding that at times everybody is is going to fail so forgiving yourself is a is a and being kind to yourself is a huge part of it well thank you for tuning in once again and listening to this episode of the everyday problems podcast this one was a bit of a ramble through lots of different topics but always with motivation in mind we hope that you found some useful hints and tips along the way there in terms of what motivation means to you please remember to subscribe to the show give us a review if you'd like and don't forget that if you'd like to show your support you can always do so by going to patreon.com forward slash tom corneal i'll put that in the show notes and you can donate as little as the cost of half a cup of coffee per month and your donations go towards all of the studio costs for this show as well as other projects which will be detailed on the patreon link 
Thanks again for all your support and we look forward to chatting again next time.